When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Here, Birchia. You know what uh, doesn't seem fun to me? What? Dying. I would second that. <laughs> I agree. Starting to take a look at my health very, very seriously right now. Because I got a couple of things going on. I've always been a gym rat, right? Uh, but the reason why I started going to the gym and learned about fitness, quite honestly, if I'm being 100%, when I grew up in California, as an undersized kid, as I said before, look, not a lot of girls were into like... Dudes that were four foot five. <laughs> Things have changed. They're really into them today. Uh, but back then they weren't. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to go start hitting the gym here. At least I'll give a girl something to be attracted to me over, right? Because it's certainly not going to be my personality or my height. Uh, so I started going to the gym and I got into like a real dysfunctional mindset when it came to working out. And it was all about like vanity, vanity, vanity. And if there were some health benefits to it, then, hey, that's a nice bonus. Um, and now as I'm getting a little bit older, uh, things have totally and completely flipped for me. And it all started a couple of months ago when I started learning more about the different features on my Apple Watch. You know, most of us take a look if we have an Apple Watch. We look at how many steps we have. And that's pretty much it. Aren't there <laughs> that's like, all I do. That's it, right? Are there rings you have to close? You can. Yes. Yeah, activity rings, stand rings, all sorts of stuff. Okay. But if you have the health app, there is so much information on that health app that your watch is telling you about your body that you don't know of. And without getting into specifics, I started doing a deep dive because some of these statistics we're coming up in red. And I'm like, red? I work out like five times a week. How can this be possible? But I've always been lifting. And I'm one of those guys. And I think, Mo, you're like me also. It's just like, oh, I hate cardio. Hate cardio. Yeah, cardio. Because we need to lift and look good. Mm -hmm. And for me, if I was doing cardio, it was only to burn fat so you could see my muscles. It's all vanity. Right? Running doesn't get you bigger <laughs> biceps. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> but um, I've been taking a look at some of these things. And they didn't look real strong to me. So uh, I've decided to do a couple of things about it. Uh, today I have actually have a stress test and uh, I have been improving. I'm taking a look at my heart now as a muscle rather than a cardio day. So if I do chest and tries one day, my second day might be heart and abs. I don't even look at it as cardio anymore. It's a muscle. It's smart. Sure. Right. Yeah. It's all a mindset thing and just in order for you to get it done. And my wearable says that the, my muscle, my heart muscle is not where it should be. So I've been working on that a lot. And here's something interesting too. I have told you guys before that maybe in my life I have got, I've woken up surprised that it's the morning because I slept through the night, maybe a half, a handful of times my entire life. Never really thought about it. I thought, okay, 
My circadian rhythms are off because we have to get up so early in the morning. I don't keep the same sleep schedule on the weekend. So I've had doctors tell me that have put me on Lunesta also after a sleep schedule. They just give you a pill and they go, you know what? So long as you're doing that job, you're never going to be able to get good sleep. And without being educated about it, I said, drugs? Okay, I'll take it. So that's really what I've been doing for 20 years is I take a Lunesta and uh, I go to sleep. And if I don't, I could be up, honestly, for 48 straight hours. Wow. When I went to Japan a couple of weeks ago and demanded of myself to stay up for like 30 hours to get back on uh, Atlanta time, East Coast time, it was no problem at all. Zero problem. So now, again, I'm starting to take a look at my wearables and I realize this, that I get hardly any deep sleep at all. No deep sleep, hardly any REM sleep at all. And when you sleep, those are the two cycles where your body recovers. It needs it more than anything else for mind health, for muscle health, your overall health. You've got to get into those cycles. And when I started taking a look at these apps, I realized like, damn, I'm not getting any deeper REM sleep whatsoever. So I already knew that. Then over the course of the last couple of months, I've had to get some work done on my mouth, my teeth. And the dentist has put me to sleep a couple of times. And both times I woke back up, he's like, dude, you ever get checked for sleep apnea? I'm like, why would you say that? He's like, the way that you breathe when you're under anesthesia and how often you wake up in such a violent way makes me think you might have sleep apnea. And this dentist went through the exact same thing. So what I think is happening and I'm going to get it tested next week, is I think I might have had sleep. I have sleep apnea my entire life. Never even knew it. Well, How do you get to this point just now finding that out? Um, By being uh, arrogant. Um, <laughs> 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 Tiffany has told me, like, you know you snore when you sleep. I'm like, I, I do not. No, I don't. I don't snore. I don't. Um, but I do. I just thought I didn't know it was as violent and I didn't know that I was waking myself up so many times. So with all of that info and with my dentist finally saying, dude, I am pretty sure you get tested for that. You're going to be on one of those CPAP machines. I'm like, if it gets me deep sleep, he said for him, it was a complete game changer. Like once you get into that deep sleep and once you get into that REM sleep, you wake up in the morning, you can't believe how much energy and how much better you feel. So I'm going straight in and get this checked out this week. My husband has sleep apnea. He just got a CPAP and it's been, he's a different person. Literally during the day, he is a different person from before. Game changer. But sleep apnea, people don't realize it can be really dangerous mm -hmm. for your health and your heart health yes, too. Yes, it affects your heart big time. I've read that. So there's that integration there. If your heart's not where it's need to be, needs to be maybe it is the sleep apnea it's things it's always like so surprising to me how things are so connected <laughs> in ways you you would have never thought like oh because i snore at night and wake up a couple of times a night it's affecting my heart and i could die Can like I, that's not something i put together mm -hmm. tiffany has had my fiance has had this debilitating pain in her shoulder and her neck for maybe two years now um at the same time she's had something wrong with one tooth that she hadn't gotten taken care of. She finally got the tooth taken care of and the pain in her neck and her shoulder went away that day. Wow. <laughs> it's all connected. It's all connected. So I might find out that I have sleep apnea this week. Our producer, Rebecca, is going to find out she's autistic this week. <laughs> and she gets tested also. You've got hormone yep. testing coming up yep. also. It's a big week for the bird show, health-wise. <laughs> if you're curious about any medical test, the bird show will take it for you. Yes, for sure. <laughs> it's the bird show.
Oh, what a sigh of relief for this guy that she was okay. I mean, she was out. Her, his girlfriend was out till 3 in the morning. He's all stressed. And when he finally gets in touch with her, she's like, yeah, I'm still a little drunk from the night before. I crashed over to a co-worker's house and I cuddled with them all night. But I'm fine. <laughs> what a relief he must have felt. I mean, yeah, it, that, that relief must have just washed over his entire body. Oh, thank God you're safe, honey. What yeah. happened here? Well, so my buddy's been dating this girl for about eight months now. And things were starting to get a little serious. Everything's been great. I think... Well, they were in their honeymoon period, and that might be over now. Um, it is definitely over now. Yeah. So um, she says that, you know, she's going to go out with a bunch of friends, and he's like, cool. You know, he's just going to hang back. And she's she's had a friend that's a co-worker I, since before they even started dating uh, for years now. And I guess he was one of the friends that she was supposed to go out with. And so... You know, 10 o'clock rolls around, you know, he sends a text, you know, hey, how are you? You know, everything cool? Just checking in, you know, no response. And, you know, so he's like, all right, you know, she's probably out the club. Yeah, have a good time, right. Yeah, it's on the dance floor, yeah. grinding on somebody, you know, <laughs> making some bad decisions. Who knows, whatever. And, uh, you know, 11, 12, so, you know, still no response. And so now, of course, he's worried. You know, I, I would say one part worried, one part thinking, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then at about 3 a.m., she finally answers the phone and she's in an Uber on her way home. And he's like, you know, are you okay? Where have you been? You know, what's been going on? And she's like, well, you know, uh, we just had drinks. We never ended up going out. <gasps> and uh, we were just drinking at her friend's co-worker's place. Just she and him or a group of people? No, just she and him. Okay. Yeah. Now we got yeah. red flag number one. Well, okay. And said that she fell asleep, you know, cuddling him in his bed. But don't worry. Huh? Uh, like, so, yeah, exactly. Like, uh-huh. Define, like, did she use the word cuddling? That, this or is, is what this an he, assumption? Th- no, this is what he said to me. I mean, via text. We didn't have this conversation on the phone. But I don't that, even need to hear the word cuddling. All I need to know is that they were in the same bed together. Right. Facts. Which, so, and she's like, you know. She's kind of wasted still. It's three in the morning. So the next day, you know, he calls her to, you know, get a little bit more clarification. And she's like, I'm still drunk and just wouldn't give any clear answers on exactly what was going on. But kept saying, you know, J- you're just overthinking. <gasps> <laughs> like, you know, and, and, I, and I'm like, dude, there's. Yeah. All right. So, uh, but uh, at one, she is telling that you know, she's offering up at least some truth. She didn't have to say I fell asleep. In dude's bed, I drank too much. Yeah. So you're giving her credit for not being really. Which is nice. So, no, I will give her some credit for that because in a lot of situations, a lot of, I, I, you know what? When I was single, I probably would have told, not a hundred percent. And if you I'll called from the Uber at three in the morning, you could have made up any story True. about where you were. Good okay. luck. We just left the club. Okay, so now it's not only now it's not just about the infraction because personally. If, you know, Bart and I dating eight months and I get a phone call at 3 a.m., he's in an Uber and he tells me that he had, we'll even take, we'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he was, we'll take cuddling out, but that he went over to a coworker's house. They didn't go out. The two of them sat there and drank and then they slept in the same bed together. That is an infraction well, um, because most people have couches. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, and the fact that no, she's not at a club where she's got she's mm-hmm. looking at this and that and she's dancing and she's with a whole bunch of friends and didn't even notice her phone. She put it away. She's one on one with a dude in his apartment and has the phone off for that long. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yes. So there's that. But my other thing is now it's how you react to what you did and the fact that he is well within his right to ask these follow up questions and she's gaslighting him by saying you're overthinking it. That to me is almost as big as the infraction. It's just too yeah. many strings of bad decisions for me. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't I, have to be there. Then you didn't have to drink. You didn't have to be in the bed. You didn't have to cut. It's too many. Yeah, and I've never been a, a fan of using alcohol as an excuse of, mm. of your behavior because I always know what I do. I never get blackout drunk to the point where I'm like, I don't know what I said. I don't know what I did. I just hate people who use that excuse. So to me, that would be a giant red flag. But, you know, he's got mixed emotions. He was kind of invested. They talked about getting engaged, and, I mean, they were pretty hot and heavy. So I'm like, but if this is what she's going to do to you now, mm, This would wait. be HDTV clear for me. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing to be confused about. Yeah, way too many red flags. And like you said, it never gets any better than it does for right now. That's what I said. I said, well, you think if you guys have a kid, and then, you know, everything's going great, and then she does this while, you know, leaves you home with the kid. Oh, sorry, I slept at Bobby's house and passed out in his bed. Absolutely. <laughs> Not. Yeah, that's what I said. Ditch. Zero Ditch. future there, yeah. This is The Bird Show. It's a good question. Your parents come on over and they bust something in your house. You have the right to go, hey, you got to pay for that. Mom, dad, or do you just bury it? So this is the debate that Katie and I had on our podcast in the moment. And I'm curious as to what you guys think as parents for sure. And I, I also think this makes it official that I am a, a better son than Katie is daughter, <laughs> which I take pride in because, you know, Katie is mama's baby. Once again, I will say this about your podcast with Katie. And again, it's called In the Moment. There are things that stun me that come out of Katie's mouth. Um, there are There is nothing that comes out of your mouth that really surprises me. I feel like I know who you are uh-huh. right in and out. Katie, however, <laughs> from time to time, has an edge to her that I never see on this show. She opens up. She it, opens it surprises up. me, too. All right, so, Katie, I know you have a love for Beyonce, <laughs> and we all know Beyonce's onstage alter ego is Sasha Fierce. <laughs> so, we get Katie on the birth show. Who are you are who are you on the podcast in the moment? <laughs> Diane. <laughs> <laughs> who the hell is Diane? Diane. Are you serious right now? <laughs> Diane. Diane <laughs> sometimes don't give a F. No. That's her last name. You're Diane F. Are you dirty Diane? Are you dirty Diane? <laughs> you know it. <laughs> <laughs> so this, <laughs> this conversation came up, and once again, I had no idea which direction dirty Diane was going to go in. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, oh, now we got little Papusa and Dirty Diane. <laughs> I love it so much. And it all started because I was making fun of the fact that as you get older, or at least for me, I find joy in my parents doing things that I used to get in trouble for when I was a kid. Like my my dad accidentally uh, hit crashed my car before, and I didn't really care about the car. I was happy that I could make fun of my dad for making a mistake that if I had done it would have went a whole different way. Mm-hmm. So things like that, down to them leaving the lights on in my apartment all the time, to uh, my dad spilling Coca Cola all over my carpet, like these moments, right? So in most the most recent one is my mom comes over and she forgets her laptop charger. So somehow, some way, she's sitting at my bar and I can see it. Like I, I came out the room 
And the way she said my name with this, like, innocence that I have never heard before in my life. It was like, Reese. <laughs> I'm like, okay. What'd you what, do? What'd you do, Ma? What'd you do? What'd you right. do? The roles have reversed. Exactly. So I'm getting a kick out of it. And I, I, she hands me, like, my Apple charger. And she somehow was sitting at the bar working on her laptop and accidentally, I guess the cord got caught under the, the bar stool and she yanked it out of the computer. So it's completely broken. Damage. Can't use it again. And if you've ever had to replace an, an Apple charger, you know they, they're not the cheapest things in the world. So it was a moment of like, I never really thought about this, but what do I do here? Right? Because <laughs> my mom is saying... Oh, don't worry about it. I'll get you a new one. Yeah. But as a son, I felt horrible. Like Why? With, because of all of the things my mother has done for me. Like, Aww. like include raise me. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Birth me. <laughs> so I went to Katie and I'm like, you ever been in a situation like this? And like, what is the right thing to do as the child in this situation? Like, your parents have done so much for you. So obviously, there's the part of me that's like, all right, I don't want to cough up this money to get a charger that mm -hmm. I didn't break. But at the same time, I feel horrible like asking my mom for this this money in, when, in the grand scheme of things. Like, I owe her so much more than I could ever repay her for that asking her for a few dollars to fix a charger seemed crazy to me. But Katie was like... Now I need my money. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not asking your mom for the money. Your mom is like, I'll get you a new one. And I think you take that away from her being able to fix what she broke. And that's going to give her, like, that's going to make her feel good to be able to replace the charger. Like, she's doing it for you, but also she would be doing it for herself because she knew she broke it and she wants to feel better about the situation. Does that make sense? That does make sense, but it still feels... Wrong to me, like to to ask my mom yeah. to replace something so small. I'm with you. Let's hear from Katie. Yo, no, Dirty Diane. Dirty Diane. <laughs> dirty Diane. No, 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 no. Because as my mother, who has broken stuff, spilled cranberry on the carpet, and a whole bunch of other things in the house, right? She raised me to stand up for myself and stand my ground. So no matter who you are, you gotta, you owe me. So <laughs> I love you, but also pay for what you broke. Now, here's where I feel like there's a big difference, okay? So your mom... Mo was visiting you. Yes. Katie, your mom is living with you. You guys are roommates. Unfortunately. Right. So that does change things for me. Why? I think because your mom is, I, I mean, that's her roommate right there. So even if it's her mom, her roommate should pay for the broken charger. Whereas in your case, I think you pay for the broken charger. You Really? Yeah. To me, the difference here is that she offered to buy you a new charger. It'd be one thing if she broke it and you went, hey, mom, you know that charger that you destroyed? Mm -hmm. But she's mm -hmm. offering. So me, the, to me, the difference is she wants to give you a gift. And I, and I do get that aspect of it. And yeah. I appreciate it. I love that my mom is like, I broke it. Let me fix it. But I'm pretty sure, like, if I were to say, mom, don't worry about it. It's all good. She would accept that. So if if I don't say that, oh okay, you see okay. what I'm saying? Okay, now we're wading into different waters. It just, but she, now I did try. I was like, okay. Ma, seriously, and she's like, No, I broke it. I'm sending you the money. That's final, and I appreciated that. But it just felt like dirty money it to did. me, right? <laughs> like it, I just did. I I don't feel right taking money from my mom. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, <laughs> you're on the Burt Show. You know what I learned this weekend, over the weekend? What? And here I am on Thursday talking about my weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I learned this weekend that my vision or my definition 
of happiness for my kids can be very different than their own definition of happiness for themselves. And I got to accept that. I love that you have acknowledged that and that you are in the process of accepting it. Because I think that's a huge hurdle for a lot of parents. And I I saw your Instagram post and I liked it because I thought it was very insightful. And it is a testament to all the work you put in to rewire your brain from the interesting upbringing you had. (laughs) Very interesting. (laughs) Keeping a lot of therapists employed. Yep. And making sure that your kids are happy, but their happy doesn't necessarily have to be the same definition as yours. Really? I mean, so my kid, my oldest kid is going to uh, SCAD in Savannah and they had family weekend this weekend. And my concern for my son has always been that I knew he'd crush as far as grades go. That's just what he does, man. I mean, as soon as he has a homework assignment, he wants to get that thing off his mental plate immediately. So there's no procrastination with this kid. He's always been a great student, right? Very routine-based. But for me, college is so much more than that. Um, It's so much more than just grades and getting your degree and moving on. There are so many life lessons, so many things socially that you can learn from. I still... I'm in contact with the guys that I was roommates with in college, and I had an absolute blast. It was probably the best two years of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I actually think when I was asked to leave San Diego State, I was like a four-year sophomore. A four-year sophomore? Yeah, I I tried way harder to um, (laughs) petition the council to let me stay in school than I did actually work while I was in school. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if you just worked that hard in class, you wouldn't have had to do a petition. So, you know, my, and I had an absolute blast, seriously, and I I did junior college also, so I think it was about four years. But part of that was hanging out, partying, experiencing things. I told you guys I experimented with a whole bunch of things in college, and thankfully, he doesn't do that. But it was part of really me having a great time in college. So that was kind of my definition. Like, it's not just about class. It's about all these other things, too. You were fulfilled by the social scene Absolutely. My kid's not like that. And my concern was that when I talked to the SCAD counselors was that, hey, which are the kids here that don't make it? And he told me straight up, the kids that go to the dorm and then they go to their class and then they go to the dorm and then they go to the class and they don't experience college life. They're not going to make it here. Which was very concerning because that's what my kid does. And I would imagine a school like SCAD has a ton of like groups and extracurriculars for students to get involved in to really be active, have an active college experience. So when we get to SCAD over the weekend, I was asking them a lot of questions, you know, because we're walking around uh, these courtyards and green spaces because SCAD isn't like your traditional college where it's all in one area. There's a building here in Savannah and there's a building over there and you got to take a bus over here in Savannah. So there's not like one major campus traditionally. You got to kind of like be all over the city, right? And outside of that, he hasn't really seen Savannah at all. So as we're walking around this, and I love Savannah. It's a beautiful city, right? Mm -hmm. So much to offer. Um, He hasn't seen any of it. It's like his second year in school and he doesn't leave. Uh, his dorm room. So right? for Parents Weekend, it's more like you're giving him a tour of his city <laughs> than he's giving you a tour of his campus? 100%. <laughs>
100%. In fact, he's kind of so isolated that when I went to his dorm to just check out what that looks like, you know, because I'm paying for it, um, <laughs> that I would like to see it. His roommates came in and I started talking to his roommates. And in the three minutes that I was talking to one of his roommates, Hayden learned so much about his roommate because they just don't talk. (laughs) So, but that is really his life, you know? Um, he has some friends there, a lot of online friends. He is in some clubs that meet up, like his anime clubs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it certainly doesn't look anything like my college experience did and when I asked him over the weekend I was expecting him to say a four when I asked him on a happiness level where are you at with college on a one to ten and he said an eight good for him wow Wow. good and I was floored (laughs) I'm like this is your eight right here Mm -hmm. and I really had to absorb it that at the end of the day the only thing that matters is my kid is happy and It doesn't matter what that looks like for him. If he's being honest with me and that's what really he loves and this is what's making him happy, good for him. Absolutely. It doesn't look like my happiness, but it's happiness for him. And that's really all that matters. That's great. Yeah. I love that you've come to that realization and not only that, but you're embracing it. 100%. I think a lot of parents struggle with that. I, I think I think even mine did at times because I what what was happiness for me was so different than what was happiness for them or anybody I'm around. So I think as a parent to understand that and to recognize that is like a really important thing. It's a tough one. It really is. Get it? The Bird Show. Must be super frustrating when you know you're kicking ass at work, right? But the boss takes a look at you, doesn't take you seriously, overlooks you every time there's a promotion. Now you're starting to think, okay, is it just because I'm a young woman? We got one virtual listener here that hits us with an email the other day, and she says she got a couple of things, quote unquote, working against her here. She's a young woman, and she's a military spouse, which I didn't even know was a problem in the workplace until she brought it up in this email. Hi, Show. I am a huge fan and have been listening to your show ever since I moved. I listen to you guys on my way to my night shift. Speaking of which, I need advice about my job. To give a little insight, I work in the media industry just like you guys. I am young and also married to my husband who serves in the military. I have been fortunate to get a job while being a military spouse. Statistically, military spouses have a harder time finding a job because of the military lifestyle. It's been hard navigating my job, being married to someone in the military, and figuring out myself. Why is that? Because you have to Move tell on. them. Yeah, you have to tell them that you're a military spouse and you might be moving. And I can't even say when that's going to happen. I got it. I sometimes feel like my boss overlooks my work and what I do because I am a young woman and a military spouse. I also notice that men get more recognition in the industry and some with no experience and double checking my own work. I've been doing my job for a while now too. I also feel like men are allowed to voice their concerns and even get upset about it at work. But anytime a woman does, it's overlooked because of the stereotype that women are more emotional than men. I feel like I am just seen as a young military spouse instead of a person doing their job. How do I combat this issue? I love what I do, but with the Barbie movie now out and listening to you guys every day, I am kind of questioning my job and our society. Any advice? This damn Barbie movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hallelujah, this Barbie movie. This Barbie movie, movie has really shaken it up. <laughs> it's causing so many awakenings. <laughs> I don't know what to do in a case like this. I know some of you hardliners out there are like, this dude with the job. That's not so easy, right? So what do you do in a case like this? No, she doesn't need to get another job. But I think this points out 
exactly what women are talking about when they, you know, use the word the patriarchy because everyone hears patriarchy and they're like woke. What it comes down to cases like this where if you are a young woman, let's say like you're 23 and your boss is a man, they naturally just connect with the other men in the office. So they tend to get opportunities that you don't because, you know, they're having like water cooler talk in the the break room. And so I th- think she's just kind of feeling like that unspoken social difference where um you know, they might be stereotyping her as like an emotional woman if she comes with a complaint, whereas they're not going to if they have like a more friendly relationship with their male coworkers. Yeah, if the male coworker comes in there and he's in a bad mood, the boss will be like, oh, what'd your wife do to piss you off today? It's always on the woman, right? <laughs> but a woman isn't in a great mood, then it's a totally different angle on it. Here's the thing. I think as women, especially young women, it's not really taught. It's almost an unspoken rule that you don't toot your own horn. Like you're humble. You let yourself be noticed. You let your work speak for itself. And I don't think that works. And I also don't think, I think I've met tons of humble guys who don't have insane egos, but I've also noticed that even the humble humble guys are good at self-promotion, but they do it in a way that doesn't feel grosser in your face. Women don't tend to do that. So I think my advice is, It's an uphill battle. You're going to be like Sisyphus. You're going to keep rolling that boulder up and it's going to roll back down on you. But things you can do are start to promote yourself. Keep track of metrics. Are you bringing in X number of dollars? Have you done this many sales? And so when you have a huge goal like that, instead of being like, cool, I did the company good, send that email to your supervisor and be like, hey, just want to let you know we met quota, we exceeded quota, whatever it is, and start a paper trail for yourself and start touting your own accomplishments. And there's a way to do this and still be humble and not egotistical about it, but it's going to start you believing in yourself, but you're going to be start seeing as more confident and more as a valuable player, even though you're doing the exact same work as you were before. You got to let people know. And Cassie raises a really, really, really great point. It is not egotistical for you to come in with statistics showing how valuable you are to the company. Is that how women feel? Like, it'll feel arrogant for me to say that? That's how I felt. I don't want to speak for all women, but I always felt like I was hired to do a job and I'm going to excel at it and I'm going to do a great job and that's what's expected. I wouldn't, that's just part and parcel. But then I would see people being like, look at what I did, look at my accolades, look what I accomplished. And they were the ones at my old job who were getting promoted or or noticed. And I think at that point I realized, okay, no one is going to do this for me. My supervisor is not going to sit down and go through my work and be like, oh, you're amazing, promotion. I have to do it for me. But it's uncomfortable if you're not used to doing it. Um, So it doesn't sound like she's miserable. She's frustrated. So I would be like, if you're miserable, you need to start seeking and looking for a job elsewhere. Um, Unfortunately, having a conversation with your boss or bringing this to the table, I don't think it's going to get you anywhere. It is actually going to um, cause you to take a couple steps back. Uh, She works in the media industry and there's a game you got to play. So you got to figure out how to, um, you got to figure out how to work the system because the system is stacked up against you when you're, when you're a woman in a primarily male dominated industry. It's a bird show. Hey, the bird show. Look, family traditions and habits, you know, if you're doing them within the family, you wouldn't know that they were bizarre because you don't know if other families are doing that or not. And maybe sometimes it's too awkward to ask somebody until you're on the radio. Oh, yeah. And we're about to talk about it right now because I was hanging out with my brother all weekend, obviously in Nashville for the Taylor Swift concert a week ago. My mom was here. So I've been spending a ton of time with my family and I've been picking up this weird habit that every time I accidentally do it in public, uh, people get really weirded out. This is Abby's very first Am I Normal? 
Okay, yeah. Mm. We've um, done this before where you ask a question not wondering, I mean, wondering if what you're doing is normal and other people always call up and go, oh, yeah, of course we do that too. Yeah. Now, that person that liked to have buttons over their eyes, on laying on top of their eyes, they were the only person to call with that little kink. I don't recall that. Oh, yes. That you remember That's the button? memory the, for you. <laughs> no, like underneath their eyelids, yes. they put buttons. Uh, uh, I, uh, I remember that clear as day. I remember where I was sitting. Yeah. That was the... Most unusual call. You guys, I was this close to dropping the F-bomb thinking that we were recording the bonus content. Oh, <laughs> I just recorded it a couple of seconds I ago. I had that problem earlier, too. <laughs> okay. I want to know, like, how did that habit even start? Uh, like, you know what? We'll move on. Mine's much cuter. So this is an <laughs> am I normal, but it's, like, kind of weird. It's, like, a cute weird, but every time I do it, I get, like, weird looks. Like, I was in the break room the other day, accidentally did it in front of Romeo, and he was like, mm, what are you doing? So this isn't what you... Wait, what, are you doing? what was that? <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like a Muppet now. So this isn't what you disclosed to me at breakfast earlier this week that you and your family all have in common. What did I disclose you? Said, to you? you said you guys are like vomiters. Oh, we are family vomiters. Like what? We, Wait, have, what? we have like weak stomachs, not like a sad, aw, Abby's bulimic way, more yeah. in like a we just... <laughs> <laughs> we just, we're just, we're just nervous people. <laughs> I'm yeah, not polemic. I'm just nervous. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? So, because she told me all these times yes. that she and her family just, they just vomit. Yeah, like together. Yeah, just no. So my brother would give. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like family bonding. Yeah, you guys ready? Some families play board games. Yeah. Some vomit. I mean, we play the game of life. All three. <laughs> Here we go. So my brother gets real. When he was younger, he would get really, really anxious, and so he has vomited at like every major landmark across the globe. <laughs> like, I remember when we went to New York, he was really anxious about going to New York for the first time because he had watched, you know, some 9-11 documentaries and, you know, mm. it just kind of really freaked him out. So we would be walking around New York, he would just... Out of nowhere. Street, out of nowhere on a street corner because he would be so anxious about it. It's kind of sad in hindsight, but, like, kind of funny, too. And with the rest of the family seeing him throw up, have those, like, throw-up <laughs> sympathy things? No, we just we just vomit very easily. Like, we are just thrower-uppers. And, like, we were at the, we were at, like, Caesar's grave and been through <laughs> Like, bright blue Powerade. Really, maybe it is just my brother, but I'm, <laughs> I'm a vomer, too. Maybe just give him one for his homies. You <laughs> <laughs> gotta pull one out? Yeah. <laughs> this one's for my boy Caesar. <laughs> but anyway, that's not the habit I'm referring to. Okay, okay, okay. Because my family, we have this thing that I found on the internet. So we're not the only ones who have this habit, but maybe just this specific thing that we do is a little bit more niche. It's called Familect. And it's when you're around your family so much, you start to pick up the same slang mm -hmm. and it's like a mm. dialect within your family. Yeah. And so for my family, we do this thing called the dog voice where we will make up voices for our pets and like communicate as if they're in the room. So like we have two dogs now, like Leo and Griffin. And so if we're all in the room, Room will be like, oh, I, I want to go for, I want to go play your side. You want to go play your side? Okay, we'll go go play your side. And I, now it's become like my nervous habit that like if I'm at, if I'm like grabbing something, I, like when I saw Romeo in the break room, I was like, I'm gonna grab some coffee real quick. <laughs> you talk like, to Romeo in your doggy voice. Yes. So when does it kick in if there's no dog around? Your dog's not around. When does that kick in? Sometimes it's, it's just like um, it just it just happens. So like we'll be like walking. So when we were in Nashville, I, was, I actually prefer you vomit in front of me. So. <laughs> <laughs> second that. <laughs> so, well, I know. So I guess really I am not normal. But we'll we'll be. We were like in Nashville, and he was like, "Do you want to go to this bar? You want to go to Florida? 
Florida Georgia Line? And I was like, yeah, I want to go to Florida Georgia Line. So and the two of you guys are speaking like this with other people around yeah, you. Yeah, some people are like, what the hell are you doing? I might have vomited if I saw it. <laughs> but we it's do, cute. We it do it cute. We do it so much. Like if it's like I do this at home with my cats too. I'll be like, oh, are you so sweet? Are you said that mommy was at home? Yes, I was sad that mommy wasn't home. And I just talk to my cat. <laughs> really, this is just a product of me being really lonely. <laughs> now that part I get, but keeping the dog dialogue when the dog's not around yes. amongst family members, <laughs> I'm going to say is unique. It's yes. so no, weird. I don't do it, but I, I feel like I get it. Like yes. almost like it's like your internal monologue coming out and it's a different voice. Like if you guys seen Jim Gaffigan stand up where he's like, <laughs> he does the weird voice and it makes sense. It, I get it. And I don't think it's that weird. A little bit, but not that weird. It's like a character that we're bringing around with us. We're like, what are you <laughs> I'd rather you have that than vomit on or near me. Yeah, because then it might ref- like cause everyone else to throw up too. Make everyone else uncomfortable. <laughs> then there'll be vomit everywhere. Oh my God, be so Mo, at any point over the last three minutes, have you had the thought, effing white people? <laughs> About three or four. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the Burt Show. I'm not a huge fan of spicy foods, but I do like a bit of spice in other areas of my life. Reality TV fights, make it spicy. My margaritas, make them very spicy. And when it comes to the spice cabinet you keep beside your bed, you gotta have a wide variety of spices to keep things heated up. If you've been looking for some more flavor to add to your life behind closed doors, Adam and Eve can help you bring the heat with some fun new items to turn up the temp between you and someone else. Or if it's a single girl summer, there's plenty of options for those of you riding solo this year. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off off just about any item and they'll include free shipping and rush processing so you can spice things up ASAP. And you don't got to worry about your neighbors noticing your delivery. Adam and Eve ships things out in discreet packaging. So you and Deborah down the street don't have to make awkward eye contact when you get your mail. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item and select just enter offer code Abby at checkout. That's A-B-B-Y at adamandeve.com. This exclusive offer is specific to this podcast. So be sure to use code Abby to get your discount code Abby. So you got something going on in your relationship. It's not quite sitting well with you and you're not really sure if it's shady or not. Two Instagram accounts, right? One that he's hiding from her and she's wondering if this is shady or not. Um, The email says, hi all. I have something that's been bothering me about my boyfriend. We've been dating for four months. Up until now, things been pretty normal. One night, we were both looking at our phones We found something funny on Instagram, and we watched it a few times. I asked what he was laughing at, and he said he sent it to me. I checked my messages, and I saw the video. But the account it was sent from wasn't his usual Instagram account. It was another account entirely. Uh This second account didn't use his full name and had a picture of a dog as the profile picture, which is odd since he doesn't have a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I asked him about it, and he seemed kind of surprised, almost like he didn't mean to send it from that account. After a pause, he said he uses two accounts, one for coworkers and professional contacts, and the other he gives to his personal friends and family. Uh, While that logic may not seem that strange, his second account isn't professional at all. What he posts has nothing to do with his professional work. The content is very similar to what he posts on his quote-unquote personal feed. So why the need for two, she asks. It's making me feel uncomfortable. I'm not sure why. Is this something I should be worried about? Mm. Mo, why would any man need two separate Instagram accounts? 
Uh, two reasons come to mind. You usually would have a burner because you are trying to comment um, to people about things that you don't want them to know that you're personally saying or because you use the other account uh, to talk to women and you don't want the woman you know to know about it. That's the two reasons come to mind for me. I mean, if something's got, I, I mean, the only reason we can come up with specific reasons, but they all fall under the category of shady. Right? Shady. Yeah, I was going to go in the same direction as Mo. But the one thing I can't put my finger on is when you have a burner account, typically you don't use it to post like the same photos. Yeah. Like for me, uh, spoiler alert, I have a burner account because sometimes I like to creep on people's Instagram stories. And it's a little obvious when you got that blue check mark when, mm. you're, go- when, you're, fo- when you're looking at somebody's Instagram story and you don't follow them. They're like, why is Abby on my, why, why is she hmm. here? Um, but I don't want to, what I can't put my finger on is why he would want to post similar things yeah. but have a second account for it. That's what I'm trying to figure out here. Yeah, typically people who have a Finsta or a burner, they're not like, they literally, they're not following anybody. They're not posting anything. They're using it to lurk. Like you just use it to lurk on other people's pages. So this is, this is suspect. This is very, very <laughs> for, sus. For sure. Go ahead and play it, Tommy. It's shady. It's shady AF, man. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah, there's no other way around it. I don't see. But what, what else. do you do? So now, so he he did it, and he's outed himself. Is he going to turn this around on her if she makes it a thing? Like, how do you have that conversation? Oh, of course, if he's going to get defensive, he's going to turn it around on her. But I still think it needs to be talked about because why do you need two Instagram accounts for what seem like? Pretty similar purposes, mm-hmm. other than like one's personal, one's professional. D- does everybody in here have a fake Insta? I do. You do. I do. I you do. do. You yeah. do. Kathy has. I do not. There must be so much freedom in that. Oh, it is. I bet. Oh yeah. Freedom in what way? It just gets weird when you're like, <laughs> if you really want a convincing fake Insta account. Like, there's one where you can use for lurking, and then if you really want a fake one, like, you have to cultivate it with fake posts, and you have to follow people, but it can't be all celebrities, because that's a giveaway, but it can't be anyone you know from your personal life, because that's a giveaway. So you really have, there's an art to setting up a fake Instagram account to make it look like it's not you. It sounds exhausting, but once you're through that process, it must be so freeing. Yeah, I don't I don't use it often. I'm not checking it, like, every single, I don't lurk every single day. That would be exhausting. You just lurk when you... Every once in a while. When you get alert. Uh-huh. When your curiosity is peaked, you get uh-huh. on Jane XXXY. <laughs> my, my curiosity is peaked. So was there one reason why you guys got fake Instas or was it just in general? Yes, there was a reason. There was a reason for you. Many, you, many, many moons ago. Many. You were looking for one specific person to spy on? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you're, you're, you're three fourths already through the door. Yeah, there was. Um, this was. Oh my god, this was a hot minute ago. But there, it it wasn't just one person. It was a couple people. Okay, you mm. one person. It was one person for one, me too. One person. Yeah, for me, I had a fat crush on this guy in college, and I was like, <laughs> he can't know how many times I'm looking at his Instagram story. So then, thus, Jane X X X X X Y was born. Okay. Yeah, a specific person. Because then if you slip up and like something or they see who's watching the stories, mm-hmm. it's not a giveaway. Gotcha. So it's like, for me, it was an ex Whole I wanted to look at. Fascinating mm-hmm. world. It just it, <laughs> For me, it feels like you get to go to a party where you know people are going to talk about you and you can listen as someone else. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, yeah. Like one of the most fun Halloweens I ever had is when I had a mask on and I was virtual birth there, but nobody knew yeah. it was me. It's that it felt feeling. so free walking yep. through the party. Nobody knew it was me, right? That's the yeah. feeling. <laughs> the Bird Show. 
Uh, we call it Free Therapy Thursday, and Miranda Campbell is here. Yes, she's a licensed therapist. We just give advice. Uh, we have absolutely no degrees whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Miranda actually knows what she's talking about. Hello. Hi. How are you today? You know, I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Miranda was in the other studio, and she's like, all right, I'll be in in a second. to bring the show down. <laughs> <laughs> See, right, so- we pull therapy out of our butt. You pull it out of your butt, but you have a license to do so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, what do we got this week? All right, so the email that we have received says, Dear Burt Show, my mother, brother, and I have all had a tumultuous history with my father. He was in and out of our lives for years, gave him opportunities to be the father I deserve, but he disappointed me time and time again. I spot, uh, stopped speaking to my dad about 10 years ago after he broke my brother's, my mother's heart and disappointed my brother again. After my brother became a father, he reconnected with our dad and has been rebuilding their relationship for the past two years. I personally wasn't ready to forgive, so I kept my distance. About two weeks ago, my brother and my dad went for a motorcycle ride. On their way back home, my dad had a horrific accident. Rushed to the hospital, been in a coma ever since. Uh, He has been pronounced brain dead with no hope for recovery. My brother took it hard, is blaming himself. Getting that call shook me to my core. I realized I needed to be there for him and my brother. Went to the hospital the next day to visit my dad, and I've been every day since. I realized that even though I was hurt by my dad's actions, I never once hated him, and I never stopped loving him. I just needed time to heal. I guess I thought I had more time. I'm doing everything I can to spend as much time with him as possible. The biggest hurt for me is that he never got to meet my son. I can never give my son the memories with his grandpa, and I have to live with that. I know I made the right decisions for myself, but it's really hard not to regret what I've missed. So I'm just trying to do everything I can to be here now. I visit every day, hold his hand, pray, tell him how much I love him. Even if he can't hear me, even if he doesn't know I'm there, I feel better knowing that I'm showing up for him. This is how I'm processing and healing, and I believe this will help me find some sort of closure. For some reason, this is pushing my brother away, and I don't know what to do. He's so angry. It seems like he doesn't want me to have anything to do with my dad, to make any decisions regarding his care, to have any items he might have left behind, or to even help plan the funeral. Now, I don't know what he's throwing away or keeping of my dad's, and I'm devastated. I'm genuinely worried that this will push my brother and I to a place where we can never recover. I'm already dealing with my own grief. I don't know how to get him to understand that he's my dad too, and I loved him too. I need advice. Is the way that I am processing this grief normal? Do I have to forfeit the closure with my dad in order to let my brother heal? Is that the right thing to do? Will I regret it either way? My family has decided to take my dad off life support in two days. I'm so worried that once this happens, my brother will spiral and truly shut down. I just need some sort of advice from people who have experienced loss and came out of it okay. Thank you. Well, that's <laughs> to bring nice some levity yeah. to the situation. Kristen, I almost had one of those outbursts <laughs> that you've been talking about. The intrusive thoughts? Yes. Uh-huh. When she said, am I like doing this right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, but I held it back, but now I shared it. So yeah. <laughs> it feels good to share it though, it doesn't does. it? It does. It's so cathartic. Uh-huh. But no, you are doing the best you can with what you have. You made choices based on the information you had at that moment and you can't fault yourself for that. So for entertainment purposes, let's speculate. Your brother, his anger may be coming from the fact that he felt he couldn't protect his dad on the bike. And so now he's trying to protect him. And, you know, you forfeiting, you forfeiting your um, grief process for your brother. I, I think it would be a bad idea 
Because imagine, like, if you stayed away, your brother could then come back and say, oh, you can't put your issues to the side. You know, he's about to die. You know, so, like, you have to do what you, you need to do. You're not responsible for how your brother grieves. I mean, as long as you're not out there maliciously trying to thwart his process, you have to do you, boo. And, like, don't put pressure on yourself to, like, wrap this up in a pretty bow right now. It may not look like the way you want it to, but it doesn't mean that you can't get all the healing you need. Something I have I learned through like um, my grief process is there's different types of grief and there could be complicated grief. Mm-hmm. So when you have, like I was very fortunate to have a loving relationship with my dad. Um, but those that may have been estranged or have, you know, complicated relationships with parents who pass will have complicated grief. And it doesn't mean you don't deserve the right to grieve. Mm -hmm. I think some people think, oh, well, just because like you all didn't talk, so why do you care? I feel like that's such a misconception Mm -hmm. of how grief works. And when you lose a person, no matter what the relationship you had, when it's a parent, whether it was good or bad, it's going to, that passing is going to affect you in some capacity. I think the fear also is that and let's get ahead of this for just one second, okay? Yeah. So let's say he does have his own relationship with his father and the brother does spiral, right? Mm-hmm. Will Is he going to now struggle with feeling responsible that the brother spiraled also? You're talking about, he, who is he? I think that's the oh, he, the, she. 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 Okay, I was going to yeah, there's another person. Uh, possibly, but you know, the thing, I want to leave this person with two things. So one when things are complicated, like you said, there's so many layers. Forgive, like you're grieving not just your dad, but like the relationship you wish you would have had and the the forgiveness and the come to Jesus moment that you wish you would have had. But like, you have to stay in the moment because this is such a jumbled ball of mess that if you start projecting too far in the future, it's gonna feel too heavy. You have what it takes to get through this moment, so do that and do that well. But when you start trying to like figure out and project like into the future, it may mm. be a moot point. Don't do that. Okay. Yourself. Look at you. I think yeah. a solid advice. Look at you. And you didn't bring the show down. That's right. And go check out the book um, by Harriet Lerner called "Why Don't You Apologize?" Something like that. But it's really good. It's by Harriet Lerner. Yes. This is uh, Miranda Campbell. Uh, yeah, she's a licensed therapist. You can tell by just listening. She's not one of us. <laughs> <laughs> Port Thank Counseling God. Girl. I know, right? PortCG.com. Thank you for coming in. Thank yeah. you. The Bird Show. Hi, right, Abby. You think it's time for your parents to edit their will? Oh, 100%. So you got to tell me if you have a relative like this. So my parents are convinced they're going to die in like the next week because and they want my, me and my brother to be prepared. Mine too. Is this, a, sorry, like random, but all of a sudden death chat won't stop. They're death cleaning their house. They're only in their 60s. There, it has been a weird focus. I'm so glad that your parents are doing it too because I thought mine were going insane. I'm glad I could bring this up for you so you could get this off <laughs> Literally, your chest. this is a trauma point for me. I'm like, can you stop talking about dying? Like, one conversation's good, but the constant... What's the, what has been the turning point with both of them? Just turning 60 or is there... I think it's that my 
last grandparent passed away. Mm. And so my parents are suing their mortality, even though they're like uh, early, mid-60s. Okay. So they're like, we're death cleaning the house so you guys don't have to clean it out after we're gone. And I'm like, I feel like you have 30 years hmm. left. Would you stop? So that's kind of what my parents are doing. And they do this every single time they go on a, like a big vacation where her and my dad are going to be in the same plane because this will happen. They'll be on the tarmac. And my mom, every single time, like clockwork, puts me and my brother in a group chat and says, hey, kids, just in in case we die, wants you to know where all the important documents are. And so, actually, I'll read the exact text she sent for emphasis. She said, hey, we're boarding the plane. Here's where all the important documents are. No, you're going to be disappointed. You won't get to hear about Prague, but try and uh, overlook that just in <laughs> case the unthinkable happens. Here's where all the documents are. Everything's laid out in writing. Even the part that reminds you which relatives aren't allowed to come to the funeral. <laughs> there are quite a few. You and Ben, who's my brother, can decide who wants to take our dogs. The only caveat is you have to take both. They cannot be separated. This is the one thing not written in their will is who gets to take the dogs. Okay, so I would think like that's why you have a will so you don't have to send these group texts to your kids breaking stuff down. So why not just amend the will or add an addendum to the will rather than send you guys a death text before they hop on a flight? <laughs> Is it because you both love the dogs and so they don't want to choose like we think that Abby's going to be a better parent or Ben's going to be the better parent? Or do you not want like, could you solve this and be like, I don't want the dogs. Give them to Ben. But I do want the dogs. Oh. So first of all, I think I should be the one to get the dogs. A, because I lived with the dogs longer. There was a period of time where I was living at my parents' house. I had my cat there. So they're really familiar with my cat. Whereas my brother has another dog um, and they don't really get along well with that dog. And also my brother's like a dude. They're not super responsible. Is he kind of flaky, Ben? Ben is a little flaky, a little okay. flaky. And like on a whim, he moved to Manhattan and like lived in a, in like a little tiny box with uh, that Australian shepherd dog that he bought on a whim. I think that you can change the course of this, Will. I think you should create a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> and seriously, and present it to them next time you see it with all the reasons why you're the better dog owner and Ben is not. <laughs> Get character references, like one from Bert, your boss, maybe one from, <laughs> I'm serious, like, if somebody approached me with that, I would die out laughing so hard that I would just give you whatever you wanted. Yeah. But I think you should throw your hat in the ring officially and make your pitch for the dogs. I think what they're trying to do is eliminate any arguing between the two of you guys when they pass. It will be crystal clear on exactly what they want. So they're sharing it with you. This part I don't quite get yeah. why they're sharing it with you now. Yeah. Yeah, they don't want to put it in writing. Although my mom has expressed that she would rather my brother take the dogs. I, I, I know, I know. You, you didn't ask why? Well, she was basically like, well, you know, because she's pulling the dog cart because I have a cat. My brother has a dog. And she's like, well, then they can be like, you know, a pack. And then here's the, here's the thing that I think is a little bit sexist. So <laughs> the kicker here is that whoever gets the dogs also gets their house. So, oh, be, Excuse me? Oh, yeah. That's fighting yeah. So here's the thing. If they're, you're going to, because our dogs are rambunctious. She's like, <laughs> she doesn't want them to have to lower their living conditions. So, <laughs> so she's like. Nobody I, likes to go backwards. <laughs> nobody. So she's like, I want my dogs to be treated well to a nice home. Should we pass in a worst case scenario? So. <laughs> Whoever gets the dogs gets, gets the, the house. house. And, and the reason why I'm saying it's a little sexist is she's like, well, you know, he's a boy and he'll want to start a family. Abby, you don't want kids. And he'll want like a, a wife. 
wife to like come live with him in the house and they can have their three dogs. It's just a whole thing. And so I'm kind of like, wait a second. <laughs> so you're getting punished. I'm getting punished for being a lady. Although I guess I do get, they are putting aside money for a wedding, which I could take for a house, but. Does she not understand houses could be sold so she could leave the house to both of you and then you could both buy your own house? Like you could split it and then there would the be trauma. two houses for the dogs. She doesn't want the trauma in. of the dogs n- not only losing their owners, but now losing their house as well. Yeah, losing their house and then going to, they would have to downsize because yeah. if we're splitting it, mm-hmm. then it's it's not as nice of a house. I appreciate your parents' love for their dogs. Oh my God, they're obsessed with them. They obsessed. care more about the dogs than y'all. Honestly, that's how, that's what I tell my therapist every week. <laughs> Remember when we did that phoner and huh? we were asking um, kids to call whose parents love their pets more than them and that one woman called and said, yeah, I'm not allowed to sit in the front seat. The yeah. dog does. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me adult. with my parents. Yes, adult yeah. woman said, I'm not allowed to sit in the front seat. The dog gets it. The Burt Show. All right, so she's wondering, she's got to make a big old decision here. Uh, should she choose her dream job or her dog what do you got going on? Hit us up at thebirdshow.com. Cassie has the email. Hey, Bird Show. I've been listening to your show via the podcast for almost two years now. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and hearing adult conversation makes the days a little less lonely and yeah. a little more manageable. Yeah, we just had a real great adult conversation about <laughs> naked celebrity couples. <laughs> Are you sure you're writing the Bird Show? I was hoping I could get your and your listeners' advice on a particular problem I have. Like I said... I'm a stay-at-home mom to three kids under three. And I'm going to pause, actually, because there is a trigger warning for this for postpartum depression and self-harm. So just a heads up. I'm a stay-at-home mom to three kids under three. It's busy, but I wouldn't change a thing. And after I had my second son, I went through postpartum depression really badly. I began self-harming and had intrusive thoughts, and they almost got the best of me. Praise the Lord for a supportive husband who saw and helped me as he could. It took so much to get out of that headspace, and one of the ways I learned to cope was through baking. I found making cakes, cupcakes, bread, etc. was instant gratification for something that I did, for something that I did that was good. I started having friends and family order cupcakes from me, and from there it led to a small in-home business that I absolutely love. It's not only good for my mental health, but financially it's been a tremendous help. My husband's a teacher and works so hard to provide for us. He's taken up four stipends, which are extracurricular activities like coaching track, play director, etc., to make extra money. And he works in the summer to make ends meet. Having baking money come in has been incredible. Our current family car is a 2012 Corolla and we're saving up to buy a minivan or SUV. I'm not exaggerating when I say baking could buy us a car, LOL. Here's the problem. When I began... I didn't think this is what would come of it, and I didn't do any research into home bakeries. When my orders started picking up, we started to do research, and we learned we need a cottage kitchen license. No big deal. We started the process and learned that in our state, part of the criteria is that pets and animals can never have access to your kitchen. We have a four-year-old Rottweiler that we love, but the way our house is laid out makes it impossible for us to make that happen. I don't want to make him an outside dog, but I don't know of any other option. We don't have the money to build a separate kitchen or rent a storefront. A health inspector will inspect our house and do random visits throughout the year to make sure my kitchen is up to code, so lying on the application license is out. We're heavily considering rehoming him. Does that make us bad people? Mm. Baking has become my dream job, and I'm so scared that if I stop baking, I'll go into a downward spiral. Please help with any ideas or suggestions. Would you choose your dream dog or your dream job or your dog? All right, so... so for some of you that don't 
have dogs or don't have pets, this is an easy decision for you. Others that do, I mean, they become part of the family, right? Um, so rehoming them just breaks your heart. I'm still living with the shame of having to rehome my dog, Tyra, who is, I wouldn't spend enough time with her. She was unhappy. She was crapping all over the place. My fiance was allergic to her hair also. So I had to rehome her back to our initial trainer. And I still live with that shame. But um, I am living with the happiness knowing that she's she found a home and she's ecstatic. <laughs> she's so happy that it was a really, really good decision. Uh, and had we not and had Jenny not found the exact right home for her, I would have nightmares about it every single day. All right. But I know that she's happy. So I'm I'm good. So the only advice I would give here is if you are going to rehome that dog, you have got to make sure that they are in a family that loves that dog as much as you do, or you will not be able to live with yourself. 100%. I don't think it makes you a bad person to rehome your dog, especially if you're taking the precautions to go out of your way to make sure that it's an environment that your dog's going to be really happy in. It just breaks my heart. Like the thought of having to rehome any of my pets. I have a cat now, but I grew up with dogs. And so there's just something really special about that bond that I can't imagine ever breaking up. But like if this is going to support you and your family and your mental health, like I think it, you're not a bad person for doing it. It's just a hard decision you have to make. So yeah. what would you do in this case? For me, I personally couldn't do it. I, I mm -hmm. but I, I'm also I've never experienced postpartum depression, um, so I don't know what that would do to me and what kind of decisions I would have to make because of that. Um, the thought of giving away my cat like d would destroy me, though. I feel like this is a situation where I would want to do what I can until I could do what I want. So, I mean, if it would be possible, what I would want to do is if I have to make them an, an outside dog for a little bit while until I get these things off the ground and I can build something better for them. I would try to do that. If that's not possible, then I would try to make sure he finds a home where he deserves to be. Because if mentally you're not OK and you are aware that you're going to go into that downward spiral, you're not going to be any good for the dog either. So you got to look at it that way. And so with that in mind. Give them away if you have to, but I would try to find a way to mm -hmm. use the money that I'm making to build something better for them. Yeah, I think anybody that has had to rehome a dog goes above and beyond. You give 150% before you make that final decision. As someone who went through postpartum depression and had the intrusive thoughts and all of this, you have to find your rock to get through it. It is a dark, dark place mm -hmm. and no one truly understands, even though they're trying to help you. Baking is her rock. This bakery is her rock and it got her through. I love dogs as if they're family, but you should not put a dog or an animal above your own mental health and your family's well-being. And that's what you're talking about here. And so I think the best decision for you and your family is to find your dog a new place where they can be loved and then you can thrive as a family. The Bird Show. So she's feeling kind of worthless as a stay-at-home mom now because she's not uh, dealing with any of the finances whatsoever uh, or no longer supplying any of the finances. So we'll get to her email here in just one second. This caught my attention this morning, and I can't figure out why. What would the benefit be for any man to sit down while peeing? <laughs> I don't aim. <laughs> Notice the women are going to default to the yeah. the person, the other person who has a penis in the room. That's the only one I can think of. You don't have to aim. Is it cleaner? Like, yeah. Is it yeah. like less messy because you don't have like splashback and stuff? Right. So they do this worldwide survey trying to figure out which countries where dudes 
uh, sit down to pee more than in any other countries. And 40% of German dudes sit down to pee. What? And some of the public restrooms there, it's mandatory, which I understand. Because some dudes, I mean, you walk in our trash bathroom here. How do you miss? How do dudes miss or the splash is so bad that's as disgusting <laughs> uh. as it is? So I can understand that part. But 40% of German men do. Uh, as far as countries go, the U.S. is somewhere like right in the middle. Like between 9 and 13, 9 to 13 countries where dudes are sitting down to pee and I can't figure out what the benefit is really. It, I Googled it because oh, I was curious. <laughs> so there's a scientific reason. It allows your bladder to empty faster and more completely. And then if you have prostate problems, it is easier for you to pee as well. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and less UTIs. What was the first part of that? It allows you to empty your bladder faster. So you could pee faster by sitting down. Mm-hmm. You should but time then, yourself. I would oh. pay you money if you got a stopwatch and time yourself standing up and time yourself sitting down. It's always different, though. What do you mean? For me, like the length of time. Depending depends on, on how, how hydrated you are mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And you're how also, bad you got to go. Right. You're also losing time on pulling your pants down and sitting down on the toilet rather than standing up, just whipping that thing out. It says it comes out with greater force because of the positioning. Really? Okay. Oh. Now, if it's mandatory, how do they enforce it? Did you say it was mandatory and stuff? <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like an officer in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can see a... to see which way your feet are underneath the sky. <laughs> or if there's a drip on the floor, they follow you out. Freeze! <laughs> Turn around, Jared! Yeah. Squat! Yes, Tommy. I got another one for you. When I worked in Miami, this guy did this. And when you walk in the bathroom as a man, it was a little startling. Because <laughs> you're used to seeing people just standing at the urinal doing their thing. He would take his pants down, and they would be down at his ankles. I've heard this before. When so he's standing, he's standing at the urinal? Yes. Yeah, I'm always talked about this. Yeah, dude, I used to work here. He used to do that. You don't remember? Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. yeah. So he's just standing there at the urinal, and his ass is just hanging out. Fully out. And his pants are all the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he double-cheeked at the bathroom. Like a toddler sometimes. You'll yes. see at a stadium like bathroom with oh, his he dad. Took, he took down everything? <laughs> yes. Or at least my guy in Miami, he just kind of over the top, but his pants were on the floor. You no, know, Mo yeah. told his sister his yeah. pants were all the way down ass hanging oh I always say most guys either go over the ropes or through the ropes, but he he both cheeks out every day. No ropes. There's no ropes. No ropes. No. All right, Mo's got the email from stay-at-home mom feeling a little on the worthless side here. Hi, P1 listener here, and I love you guys. And can't believe I am emailing you guys for advice, but strangely enough, I feel like you guys are my besties because I spend so much time with you. LOL. Hard you do. Also, I think Cassie and Kristen give the best advice, so here I am. They didn't just now. Heart you even more. (laughs) I'm over here just like, I'm trying. (laughs) Here is my dilemma in a short version. I have recently quit my job. My husband encouraged me to do so because he could tell I was miserable. Miserable is an understatement. I have always had a full-time job and was a single mom before I met my now husband, so I know what it's like to hustle. I sometimes had three jobs at once to provide for my son and I. My current husband makes good money, and it has allowed me to feel less pressure to hustle like I had been accustomed to. However, I've been unemployed for a little over a month now, and I'm experiencing crippling anxiety from not working. Mm. I feel worthless because I am no longer financially contributing to my family. My husband reassures me all the time that it's okay, but I can't help but feel that I am worthless. Mm. I'm afraid that he will grow to resent me, even though this was a mutual decision. I am also restricted to working from home because our son's school does not offer before and after care, and he is too young to ride the bus and stay home. So recently, I have been going down these rabbit holes on social media of these people that claim they can help you make passive income from home with little to no time or effort. 
Pyramid scheme. <clears throat> Sorry. What'd you say? <laughs> Pyramid scheme. <clears throat> Sorry. Oh, yeah. Pyramid scheme. Sounds way too good to be true, right? Now, I am no dummy, so I have yet to purchase any of these quote-unquote courses or training videos. They are selling, but I can't help but feel like there has to be something I can do to make some income that is not the standard nine to five. Do you guys or anyone in the Bird Show fam have any experience with selling audio books online or opening an Amazon store or selling digital downloads? I would really like to communicate with someone that has experience in this. I want to work, but as I mentioned, I am limited to a work-from-home job, and I want to own a small business that can offer some flexibility from your typical 9-to-5, stuck-at-a-desk-all-day remote job. Any advice from you guys or Bird Show fam about starting one of these digital passive income businesses would be greatly appreciated. P.S. Abby, I submitted a breakup story for your podcast. Hope to hear from you soon. I have a real doozy mm-hmm. for you. Also, you are doing great. There you go. Aww. You're doing great, sweetie. Yay, you're doing great. <laughs> the words of affirmation I needed this morning. <laughs> so first of all, I wouldn't feel guilty. And I know it can be hard to feel that way. But I think there was a study. Someone added up all the different roles stay-at-home parents do. And if you added up what that salary would be, it's something like $180,000 a year oh worth gosh. of labor that mm-hmm. stay-at-home parents do. You just obviously don't see an income. So you are contributing to your family in a different way. It's just the monetary value. It looks a little different. Now, for the passive income stuff, first of all, all that information is free on TikTok. You can Google any one of those things. Um, Amazon storefronts, digital downloads, selling audio, like it's all online. You can do it. But here's what I would do if I were you. I would take that time to figure out what I like doing. Do I like painting? Do I like writing? You know, what is it? Do I like designing sweatshirts? Find something that you like to do and then make passive income out of that. That way you feel fulfilled and then you're not doing something that you hate doing. Or you can do something easy like learning to code, which is actually pretty easy. And you can get temporary remote jobs doing that as well for a couple of hours each day. I understand her current struggle because for so long, you have been working your ass off. Multiple jobs. You are a single mom. You were doing everything for everybody else. And now you actually have some time to do something for you. And it's hard to get to know yourself, especially after you become a mom and what you really want to do that's going to like fulfill you and give you purpose. So I know this is a major adjustment for you right now. And I, I hate that you feel worthless. I want you first and foremost to start working on your self-talk speech like we have done earlier. You need to give that the whoever's calling you worthless, that is no longer your name. You need to give her a different name and you need to start talking her down because you are a stay-at-home mom. You are the furthest thing from worthless, okay? Even if you need to make a list one day of everything you can, everything you do for your family so you can see it in black and white, how much you contribute, whether you pull in a paycheck or not, um, and how much money you're saving your family by not having to pay for after, you know, school, pre-care or daycare because that stuff is so expensive. Mm-hmm. So you're saving your family a ton of money on top of that. So really get to know yourself, recognize your worth. And like Cassie said, find like your passion project of where you want to put your energy. It's a bird show. The bird show.